Let's pray, shall we? And then we'll jump into the word this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your empowering presence. But thank you for that reality that you are a good God who is at work in our midst, in the midst of our church, in the midst of all that we see around us. And I pray this morning as we turn to your scriptures, give us listening ears, give us eyes that are open to see you, to know you, that we might love you more and that we might shine ever brighter. Just thank you for that passage that we, we prayed at this morning earlier in, uh, in our prayer meeting, that the people who dwelled, dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. What a picture that is, that you are the light that shines in the midst of the darkness. So would the light of your glorious grace shine upon us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you quickly grab your Bibles? We're actually going to go to two portions of Scripture. I hope that's legal. But I want to take us to 1 Corinthians 12, and then we're going to jump over to Ephesians chapter 4. You'll need to turn quickly or flip quickly. But we're continuing this series simply titled, We the Church. That's been our heart over the last couple of months, to examine this notion, this reality, which, which is God's good intention, not just something that originated in the heart of man, Christ himself proclaimed on this rock, talking about Peter's profession of faith in who he was. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. We're here because he initiated this whole thing. He came and rescued and redeemed us and then established this unique company of called out people to be his body his church. And so we've kind of covered various aspects. I'm not going to review all of them. You can go back and listen to previous messages if you're interested. But we talked about this notion of being a, a worshipping people, that to truly be the church is to see him and to know him in such a way that everything else has lived in response to that reality, to worship him in song, to encounter him through the scriptures as we come expectant to meet with the living God, that he's very presence would be evident in our midst. We then looked at this notion of, of fellowship, of love, of being a unified people. And we're going to take a slightly different tangent this morning and move to really the third major category and area that uh, is on my heart to encourage us as what it means to be the church. Worship, fellowship, love, and unity, and then moving on to this notion of mission. And these three are not independent, they're interdependent. See, our worship fuels our love. The more we see him, the more we love him, the more we love others. We love because he first loved us. And in the same way, it's our love for him and our love for others and our love for those who are outside the body of Christ that fuels our mission. Worship fuels our love and our love fuels our mission. These are not so much independent pillars as they are an interconnected process. And I've intentionally laid the things over the past few weeks in this order for that reason, because it has to be our worship that fuels our love. It has to be our love that fuels our mission. It needs to be that way. Otherwise, it's just works. It's a clanging gong, as Paul puts it to the book to the Corinthians, in the book of Corinthians. So let's look at two portions of Scripture, and then I want to launch into 
what's on my heart for us this morning. 1 Corinthians 12. You cannot do a sermon series talking about the church without looking at this incredible passage here. And in fact, Adam picked up the second half of this passage some weeks ago, talking about being one body. But I want us to grab the start of what Paul is getting at here. So chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the outworking of the Spirit, called the gifts of the Spirit in his body. Verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. I want you to grab this in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he will, as he wills, as he wills. 1 Corinthians 12, he goes on and talks about the fact that we're one body. We're interconnected. That's the portion we've already covered. We, we cannot do this thing in some sort of a disjointed manner. There has to be this connection or communing together. Jump over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, he begins talking about unity in the body of Christ. That was our focus last week. Verse 3, the end of verse 3, says, Bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Verse 4, there's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 7, but grace was given, here's this phrase again, to each one of us, According to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he descended into the lower regions of the earth. Some intriguing theology in there that we'll leave for another day. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. It's going to say everybody take a breath, but it's me who needs to take a breath. Two wonderful portions of Scripture around this similar theme, and some of this we've covered 
this notion in this picture of a body, we're a family, we're connected one to another. But there's really three realities in the midst of Paul talking to the Corinthians and then the Ephesians about this mysterious working of the saints together in this union of the body and particularly the, the manifestation of spiritual gifts through the Holy Spirit's power to accomplish this. And I'll give you the three points up front and then we'll come back and unpack them. Number one, this is a picture clearly in both of these passages and there's others we could go to. It's a picture of participation. There's no observation in there, is it? He's not talking about, well, this is a picture of a working body, but to some of you, you're left on the benches. We'll call you up, you know, if the need arises. You're, you're the spectators. You're just to cheer everybody else on. This is for, and I highlighted it as we went through, the each and every ones. This is for the you and the me and everybody else in this room. It's a picture of participation. It's number one. Number two... This is a picture of power. It's not just human effort and ability. And if we had the time, we could do a whole sermon series on each of these individual gifts. That's not, may disappoint some of you, the intention this morning to unpack each and every one of these manifestations of the Spirit. I simply, for our purposes, want to point out that that's God's intention, that we're to be Spirit-empowered that these gifts are given in the context of his body for use within the context of his body. We're not here to do just what we can do. We're here to see the Holy Spirit do beyond what we can do, and that's what it's called to be the church. Can someone say amen to that point, please? It's about participation. It's about power. But there's also, in the midst of this, it's about a specific purpose, participation, power, and a purpose. It's for the common good. See, nowhere in here does it say gifts are given for the building up of an individual's ministry so that we can have Andrew Baker Ministries, a name in lights, and everybody can come in wonder and admiration. That, that's not the purpose at all, is it? The purpose of the gifts is for each and every one of us, myself, the, everybody, to use all that we have for the common good. It's not for me. It's not for what I can get. It's for what I can give. It's for the building up of his body. That's what he is intentionally concerned about. And in fact, Ephesians brings that up so well, that we're to grow up in maturity. That's his desire as individuals, but as a church. And how do we do it? The path to maturity is everybody working together in their unique gifts as the Holy Spirit would work through them. So let's unpack a little bit those three notions we've seen, hopefully in the Scriptures in Corinthians and then in the book of Ephesians. And let me kind of set it up this way. See, can you imagine the early disciples ever having a bit of a conversation like this? Matthew comes to Mark. He says, hey, Mark, are you going to church this Sunday? Mark's like, well, I've got Little League soccer. You know, there's a lot happening in my life at the moment. I'm, I'm pretty busy, but I'll see how I'm going. Little James pops in and he says, oh, I just kind of log in these days. You know, I just join in online, but I'm really, I'm, I'm joining in in the way I can. 
Thomas says, well, hey, guys, I found a great new church. You know, there's some fantastic music. Would you like to come and, and check out mine? Paul, the apostle, pipes up. He says, fantastic. I'm actually not getting much out of my church at the moment, so can I come with you? But do they have a good singles program? And on goes the conversation. Can you imagine a conversation like that? Hopefully the answer is you're seeing the ludicrousness of that kind of a conversation. I mean, this is Paul who says to the Romans, he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. Here, the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul is like, I'm coming and I'm, I'm bringing my, I'm coming to serve you. I've got gifts to bring, but you've got gifts as well. And we're going to come and mutually encourage one another, be built up as the Holy Spirit works through this picture of 1 Corinthians, of, of all of us working together to be strengthened. So my question is, if that conversation sounds so strange as we insert in there the leaders of the early church... Why does it sound so familiar to us in our modern vernacular? What is it that has gone wrong? How is it that we have reduced church to something that is so far less than it should have been? Where is the power of God in the midst of his people? Where is the people, each and every one of them, called belonging and becoming this glorious picture of a built-up, healthy church. Well, I'm hoping that this morning we can encourage one another in this particular area. So let me come back to those three points and just unpack each one of them briefly. And as I said, there's, there's that intention, not of any sense of condemnation, but encouragement as hebrews 10 4 at 10 24 it says we we come to stir one another up to love and to good works that's my heart to stir us up so number one participation everybody comes and everybody has within the body of christ a role to play everybody has a role to play to each and every one it says God gives his Holy Spirit and he gives gifts, ways in which he'll use us for the good of one another. Now that sounds simple, but I would suggest there is a profound shift that must happen in the church. In the West, our society has become so utterly devoted to this notion of personal individual fulfillment, this satisfaction, this so much so that this idea of devoting our lives and our ministries to building up the body of Christ, it's almost foreign and almost unfamiliar. And yet I feel as, as I look at the church, maybe that's more comfortable than looking at our church, I think there's moments and times, isn't there, as we look at the church that we wonder why there is this immaturity why is it that we never develop we never grow up we never really mature i think paul makes this so clear and as i said i want this to, to come from a place not of condemnation 
but from a place of encouragement and exhortation. See, it's a little bit like we've developed this mentality at times in church that our mission as we gather is to watch the personal trainers do all the work. We come to the gym, we think, well, this is wonderful, here we go, there he is, he's lifting some weights again and he's doing this, that and the other. Perhaps we offer some you know, constructive advice, maybe you should add a few more weights on there, maybe we should you know, add something else to the repertoire. But somewhere along the line, there's this missing link between this picture of, no, actually, we're not here to watch someone else do all the work, we're here to gather together as his people with him as the God who's called us, each and every one of us, to do the good works that he has prepared for us to do. And not only has he called us, but he's equipped us. He said, I've given you my Holy Spirit for you to be able to do that. That's his desire. And the tragedy is, if we live in that place, as, as, as Paul's talking to the Ephesians, this is what I believe his heart really is. He's saying, guys, you've got to realize you're going to get stuck in this mode of perpetual immaturity. Develop this mentality. Nobody's going to grow. Individuals are not going to grow. And neither is the church. And that's my desire. Paul's saying to the Ephesians, that's my desire, is that you would grow up into maturity. What is maturity? To become Christ-like. He makes that clear. To, to represent and reflect Christ. What was it that defined Christ's ministries? so many things but there's this moment that that just to me it stands out not before he goes to the, the cross the king of glory the victorious one and he kneels down and he washes the feet of his disciples oh, imagine if you were there imagine that reality of the one who stepped down from heaven's glory and what does he do he washes feet that is incredibly challenging. And yet that's his heart, isn't it? That we would be a people that grow up into that kind of desire that everything that we have is given to wash others' feet for the glory and the good of others. Now I want to say here as well that there is a balance. And there are times when we come to church and we've had many people, even this past week, I know for for. For some people, it's all they can do at times just to come to the building, just to log in online, maybe, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff happening all around us. There's moments where we need to just be in the presence of the Lord. There is. In fact, everything in our lives must come out of that place of rest, not of our own striving. That is an important message and something that we should always remember and grab a hold of. So I'm not saying here that this is a message for me to come and tap us all on the shoulder and say, well, you're not doing enough. You need to be doing more. We need to be. But what I am praying, as I said, according to Hebrews 10:24, that we would be stirred up. And it is my prayer that if this is the church that God calls you to, that yes, there will be seasons, not just one, but regular seasons of just coming to rest and receive in his presence. But I do pray that we would move each and every one of us to that place where the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder. Not to say you've got so much more that you need to be doing, but to give us that invitation to say, there's so much more that you can be giving. 
There is. There's so many more ways that my spirit can be moving through you. The truth is, if we're, if we're not coming and experiencing that reality of, of God using us in the life of his body, then we're missing out. We're not using the spiritual gifts that he's... We're not developing into mature. We miss out, and the church misses out. So this is not a place of guilt, but this is an invitation for us to be open to the Lord moving us into a greater maturity. The church is a place of participation. Brings me to the second one. The church is a place of power. See, Paul is saying Christ is so committed to this picture and this notion of his body maturing and developing and the the everybody nature of his people. Not the superstar, the everybody nature. He's so committed to that that he's given his very power and presence for that purpose. John Piper puts it this way, 1 Corinthians 12. He says, what these verses are saying is that the work of the church is a thoroughly supernatural work. One of the greatest curses on a church is when, it, when its business is down to such a science that it manifestly runs by human effort alone. This scripture does not read, it reads, to each one is given a manifestation of the spirit, not from each one is offered a manifestation of human effort. If that's the main thing in a church, it's the efficacy of man that's glorified, not the sovereignty of the spirit and the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the desire to be a thoroughly supernatural people. You see, why is it that so often we have people come through, we've had some this year and You know, they'll share these testimonies of, well, we preached through Africa and saw 100,000 saved in a couple of weeks and hear stories from Mozambique and different parts around the world. And yeah, well, we just saw this incredible healing and blind eyes opened and Cambodia teams that come back with these incredible stories of God's power all around the world. And yet it seems so far removed from our experience. I think so often it's because we've become good at doing what we can do. And we've lost the dependence and the need and even at times the desire for that which only he can do. Francis Chan, he tells this story of uh, Madagascar 2. Who's seen that movie Madagascar 2? If you've got young kids, a few of us, you've probably come across one of the few appropriate aged movies that's come in the last decade or so. But Madagascar 2, Escape to the Jungle, or Return to the Jungle, it's, it's got this scene as the, the movie opens up, and it's these, if you haven't seen it, these wild African animals that are all in the zoo. So the zebra's there running on the treadmill. In fact, as he's running on the treadmill, he's looking up, and there's this picture of the jungle on his wall. He's looking, and he's kind of gazing at this picture, and he looks over to the lion. And he says, says to the lion, he says, yeah, I, just, I just get this feeling sometimes that maybe I was born for something more than running on a treadmill in a little cage in the zoo. 
And the lion looks back, he's like, what do you mean? I mean, this is amazing. What sort of a, a lifestyle could be better than this? People bring me food, they feed me in my cage. You know, I come out and I put on a show once a day and give a bit of a roar and everybody claps. And you know, it's, this is wonderful. It's comfortable. It's nice. And Zipper's there running on his treadmill. He's like, no, I just, I feel like there's something more. There's got to be something more. Anyone else ever felt like that in your life? Like, surely there's something more than just running on this treadmill, looking at the picture of the jungle on the wall. Anyways, the movie goes on. They finally break out. And there's this moment as the lion, for the first time, he, he opens his eyes and he's there in the jungle and he roars. And he has this awakening. He's like, this is it. This is what I was created for. You know, I feel, and in fact, I, I had that, illustration in my notes and then I, I saw the Taronga Zoo this week. I don't know, was it Taronga Zoo? And the lions that escaped from the enclosure. I kind of felt the Lord saying that that's on his heart, that's his desire, that we've become too comfortable in the church putting people in their nice little cages. I mean, it's easier, isn't it? There's something a bit terrifying about lions prowling around, especially when there's young uh, school kids camping in a nearby field. There's, there's something raw and wild, but I would suggest that that's far more the picture of what the church is called to be. We're not supposed to come along and just get fed the nice little meal, put on a little show, and then go back to just running on the treadmill, looking at the window, looking at the, the picture, thinking, is there something more? God wants to break us out. He said there is gifts of his spirit. There's supernatural demonstration of his power that's supposed to be happening in your midst. Prophecies and signs and wonders. I mean, who's, who's hungry for that? Well, here's how we need to get there. It's not through my preaching. I'm sorry to disappoint you. It's not through anything the pastoral team can do or the worship team. We, we will do our best. But this is about a moment where the church, the each and everyone has that moment. Oh, we were created for something more. And the prayers pray. And the prophesies prophesy. And the servers serve. And the, the helper, everybody working together, stepping out of our comfort zones into what God has promised he would equip us for. His power to accomplish his purposes. That's when we see this reality of what God truly desires to do in our midst. So once you put your Bibles away, I want to grab my lovely wife if she's still here. And I want to just conclude in this way. I want you to turn your attention to the Lord. Might be a little elongated prayer, but I'm just intentionally trying to get us just to look to Him. A moment between us and Him as His people. And so often you'd end a message like this and it would be something like, well, we've all got to pray about what our gifts are. Like let's do some personality tests, Maya Briggs. I'm a H5 or a hippo or an elephant or whatever it comes up with, and therefore that's somehow the way that God is going to use me. And, and maybe God will use us in areas of natural gifting, but so often in the kingdom, 
God uses the weak and the foolish to confound the wise. Like he takes a bunch of fishermen with Galilean accents and he says, you guys go and preach the gospel. It wasn't learned scholars. And so rather than having a moment to say, okay, well, let's just do the personality test. Let's think, you know, here's what I want us to ask the Lord. It's a very simple prayer. Lord, where and how would you have me serve? How would you have me serve in this season of my life? It may be that you're in a season where it's chaotic. There's, you know, kids and mess and just getting up and getting your pants on in the morning is a win. Maybe that there's, there's health challenges and there's, there's other challenges and just getting along to church to be in worship and fellowship. I mean, that's a win right there. Maybe that you're in a season of life where you've got a lot of time and and space and resources and finance and wisdom. As I said, it's not a moment for me to come and, and tap everybody on their shoulders, but I am intentionally going to pray that the Holy Spirit would tap each and every one of us and would give us that opportunity. Not if you need to be doing more, but if this is your opportunity, this is what you have to give because you have something to give. You do. You have something to give. That's what his word says. Whether you believe it or not, you have, and not just natural gifting, you have something to give that is of worth and value that is needed for his body to function in the way that he has designed and created it to be. That's what the word proclaims. Lord, where or how would you have me serve? Maybe it's a really simple way. So encouraged. These are just some stories from our own church. Someone said to me recently, they're like, oh, I just, I really had a heart to disciple this new believer. So I just decided to meet up once a week and read my Bible with them. Simple thing, profoundly encouraging. I had a small group of people say, you know what, we just feel stirred in our hearts to pray. Can we come to the church and just pray once a week? Great. Had a number of people this year that God's really been stirring up evangelism. Regularly, people, can you pray for us? We're just heading out on the street to share our faith. Had a lady this morning who rocked up in her car with a boot full of meals. I've just been serving the Lord in that way, just cooking a, me a few meals that can be given away to people in need. There's, there's something. And I want to end there because sometimes we think, oh, it's, it's too big. It's like Reinhard Bonnke. I see, I see Africa ablaze in flames and preach the gospel to an entire nation. And maybe that's what God's tapping you on the shoulder about. Praise God. Let's stand alongside one another as Paul said come mutually with gifts like great maybe it's something small and simple but my exhortation my invitation my encouragement this morning is that there is something there is something and our works in the Lord are never in vain he has given you gifts he has Will you receive his gift and respond to his invitation this morning?
So, Father, I want to pray for us. I thank you for these pictures, which, if all of us are honest, should be incredibly challenging and incredibly encouraging at the same time. Thank you, Lord, that you would choose people like each and every one of us here in this room to display your glory, your grace, your majesty, and your might through us, through people like us, is beyond anything that we could ever comprehend. And I pray this morning that we would be so encouraged by that reality, but at the same time so challenged that each and every one of us here, for those joining online as well, for others who log in later to view this message, that there'd be something, at least something, that your Spirit would speak to us, not with condemnation, but with that conviction that you're with us, that there's good gifts that you give to us. There's a desire for you to use each and every one of us to build up the body, to love, to serve, to teach, to prophesy, to proclaim, to see your kingdom come. We have a part to play. Lord, I pray for, for some of us, and I just feel there's a sense this morning of you stirring afresh things that are like old wells, old words, whether they've been partly or partially fulfilled, whether there's things that you've spoken that have just been left by the wayside. Paul's words to Timothy is to not neglect the gift of God that has been given to us. And I feel for some of us, that's, that's the Lord's instruction this morning. Don't neglect. Do not neglect what God has given you, but fan it in the flame. For others of us, Lord, perhaps it's, there's, there's a sense of, well, I, I have no idea. I just, I literally have no idea what it is that God might call me to do. And I pray that this would be a day of new and fresh vision of a recognition and a reality that each and every one of us would, who desires, would walk away with a fresh sense of what it is that you're calling us to today. I pray that in Jesus' name.